Good morning, Eastside family. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 15 as we are worshiping with our offering. We want to allow our children to participate in the offering and then those who are ages 3 through 3rd grade can then be dismissed to go to junior worship. So you just, if you're new here and you've got kids in that age range, just start working your way in that direction. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians 15. Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars for, I don't have my calendar in front of me. Let's go with January 20th is a Sunday. January 21st, let's say that's a Monday. It's Martin Luther King Day. Because January 21st is Martin Luther King Day, we want you to really come and be a part of a special service where we're going to talk about the issues of race relations. I've invited four people to come up here and be a part of a, of a panel. And we're going to talk about how are we doing with that and what does it mean for us as, as followers of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to come and, and be a part of that. One night over the holiday break, Karen was a little bit sick. Am, am, am I okay here? Karen was a little bit sick. And I thought she was a little bit contagious, so I thought, well, I'll sleep in the guest room. So I went to the guest room and I went to bed and I, I couldn't sleep. And so I turned on the light and, and sitting next to the, on the um, bedside table was a book I hadn't read in a long time. It was C.S. Lewis's book on mere Christianity. I thought, well, I can't sleep. Might as well read this. But I'm telling you, if you, you want to read a book, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend C.S. Lewis for reading while you're in bed. It's pretty, pretty deep stuff. If you're not familiar with this book, it's one of the most popular introductions to Christian faith I would say ever written. Millions and millions of copies have been, have been sold throughout the world. And in this book, as the, as the title describes itself, Mere Christianity, Lewis, is a, his, his objective, his desire here is not to present something novel about the Christian movement or Christianity, but to take us back to the foundational truths of our faith. And as I was reading through this book, there was a quote that I came across, and I said, that's exactly what I want to say on this particular Sunday. And so, since he says it so well, let me read from you a portion of what he has to say to introduce what I would like to say this morning. And he writes, the golden rule of the New Testament, do as you would be done by is a summing up of what everyone had always known to be right. Really great moral teachers never do introduce new moralities. It is quacks and cranks who do that. As Dr. Johnson said, so you've got to follow this. I'm quoting C.S. Lewis. Now he's quoting this guy named Dr. Johnson. And this was the, oh yeah, I want to say this on the Sunday. As Dr. Johnson said, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. The real job of every moral teacher, this is back to Lewis now, the real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the same old principles. Listen to this. The real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the same old principles which we are all so anxious not to see. There's something in us 
that's tired of the same old thing. And there's something in us that, that wants something new and different. And that's really true in the Christian world. We want something new and, and trendy and contemporary. We want our, our preachers and our teachers to, to tell us something that we've never heard before. And while I certainly subscribe to speaking the language of our day and being conscious of, of our contemporary culture... I believe what we need more than anything else is not to learn something new, but to be reminded of what we already know, but have lost sight of and learned once again to be devoted to that. And if indeed I am, as, as Lewis describes here, and I hope that I am, a moral teacher, it's my job to bring us back time after time to the same old principles to remind us of the basic foundations of our Christian faith because I believe this in spite of our our craving and our hunger for something new and contemporary and trendy in spite of the fact we're not so anxious to see the old simple principles of the Christian faith there are foundational truths of the Christian faith that transcend time and culture and should never be regarded as archaic and out of date and irrelevant. They're truths we need to be reminded of and brought back to time and time again. But you have to understand this thought is not a thought that had its origin in, in the mind of C.S. Lewis. It's, it's a thought that has its origin in the mind of God. We see the Holy Spirit in Second Peter in chapter 1 and 2 as he's introducing his letter he says, what I'm writing, and you may know this passage, he says, this is not a cleverly invented story. This is not some newfangled teaching that we thought of and we're, we're passing on to you. He says, I am writing you this letter for the purpose of reminding you of the things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it right to refresh your memory. We need to have our memory refreshed because it's crazy. We are a forgetful people and the crazy part about it is too often we forget those things that are most important. I would say that on my cell phone here, the most important function I have other than calling and receiving calls is my, I have this thing called a reminder alert and it goes off and says, this is what you need to do at this time. If you were to come to my office at home, if you were to come to my office here at the church building, if you were to look in my car, if you were to look in the kitchen, you're going to see notes, sticky notes everywhere. You're going to see little tent stand notes that are reminders of important things that I'm likely to forget. As a side note, Karen's not too fond of those notes being in the kitchen. It's, it's sad, but there's a lot of important stuff I would forget to do if I didn't have those reminders. And I'm convinced as a church, as followers of Jesus, we need reminders. We can get so caught up in day-to-day -day living. We can get so caught up in busy church stuff that we find we're doing um, a lot of great things, but we're not doing the main thing. That which is most important. And so we need moments where we're brought back to that which is most important. 
So that brings us now to our passage, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, brothers, I have an old NIV that should be translated brethren, brothers and sisters. I want to remind you, there's our reminder. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I passed on, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. That's it. The story of Jesus Christ, we call it the gospel, is of first importance. But we lose sight of that. And we need to be brought back to it time after time to these old, simple principles which we're all so anxious not to see. The Apostle Paul in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 is, is he's speaking to young Timothy in regards to his pastoral care in the church in Ephesus. And this is the passage I've given you to look at for your life groups. He says the exact same thing in chapter 2 and verse 8. He says to to Timothy, in your ministry there in Ephesus, remember Jesus Christ. You think, how could you forget Jesus Christ? Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Verse 14, he says, keep reminding them of these things. But they get tired of hearing those things over and over again. Certainly they remember about Jesus Christ and his resurrection and the story of the gospel. Evidently not. Paul goes on to explain why not. Verse 14, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. We can so easily get, get sidetracked into these peripheral issues and concerns. It happens here, doesn't it? There's godless chatter and quarreling and it's about Christian stuff and the next thing you know we're becoming more and more ungodly and the next thing you know the whole message of Jesus is somewhere lost in it and as Paul says we've wandered away from the truth and so Paul says to Timothy and God is saying to me as a moral teacher as a minister here remember Jesus Christ and the gospel keep reminding them of these things And so since that's my job to keep bringing us back time and time again to the same old principles, we're going to spend four Sundays, it would actually be five if you included today's introduction lesson, in a short short sermon series, basically reminding us of what the Holy Spirit says, this is core, this is most important. Now, you may be going, well, we've done that before, Eddie. We've done that a number of times. Yes, we have. It's, it's been our custom 
I think maybe missing once since I've been here every January to present. I, actually, I've done this only in presenting one lesson. This time, I'm going to break it down into four lessons. And we're going to be looking at just one passage, the same passage we looked at before. Although I'm not pulling out my old notes and just heating those up in the microwave. This is going to be fresh and new, hopefully. But it's not going to be different. It's going to be the same message you've heard before. We're going to be looking from Acts chapter 2. While there are many places we could go to Scripture to to find a presentation of the gospel, I know of no place that gives a better condensed version of the gospel than Acts chapter 2. We're going to spend four weeks there. And just as our, our, our passage for this series is going to be the same, our purpose as well is going to be the same for this series. It's going to have three basic areas of focus. Number one, its intention is going to be to, and I've basically already said this, to remind us of our mission. Our mission is to make disciples of all nations. Which is another way to to, to say, to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and be reminded of our call to be grounded in that truth and to share that truth with others. I believe In my observation of our church family, we need that reminder. In my observation of this church family, we've lost sight to some degree of that mission. We've lost sight of the mission of sharing the gospel with others for the purpose of bringing them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I say we as a whole, then it's very likely about you as an individual. So let me ask you, Is your life focused on the mission? That's what Jesus calls us to, of making disciples of all nations. Do you live your life for the purpose of sharing Jesus with others? I'm not asking, are you a good person who tries not to cuss and you come to church as often as possible? That's not what I'm asking. Do you live your life with this mission of sharing Jesus with others? What's the honest answer? If the answer is no, you may be a Christian according to the contemporary American definition of Christian, but you're not a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Scripture tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And if you're following Jesus Christ, then seeking and saving the lost is going to be that which characterizes your life. That's who he was. That's who he is. That's what he did. That's what he does. So I believe it's appropriate as we step into the new year for this series to to bring us back to our center. As we're so busy, so many things to be reminded, wait a minute, this is the main thing be reminded of our mission secondly to equip us in our mission as Jesus has given us the mission to make disciples of all nations well it's fair to ask well how do you do that I'm going to guess that if your answer was no Eddie that's really not that really doesn't characterize my life it's not that you're just a bad person you don't care it could be that's something that's never happened before and you're just incredibly intimidated by the idea and you're sitting there going I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it I assume as a responsibility as one of the ministers of this church to equip you in that role. In this 
this chapter in Acts 2 that we're going to be looking at, it's like a, it's like a primer. It's like a, a perfect model, an instructional how-to guide in the effort to lead others in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You're on the airplane and you meet someone that doesn't know the Lord. You simply open up this guide and you follow it. So that's what we're going to do in this series. My goal is to equip you in using this guide to carry out our mission of making disciples of all nations, to remind us of our mission as the goal of this series, to equip us for this mission, and to renew us in our mission. And when I say renew us in our mission, I mean to light a fire. We sang that. To, to maybe not light a fire, but to rekindle in a lot of us a fire. The fire of faith went in us as believers. And I think for some of us who are not Christians, sure, to light that fire of faith in Jesus Christ to bring you to the point of faith. I love the way the gospel is described in the book of Romans. He says, he literally uses the word dynamite. It's like a stick of dynamite that has explosive power, not only to, to bring a person to faith upon hearing and, and being told that message, but the gospel has transformative power. It's life-changing Dallas Willard, in, his, in a tremendous book on discipleship, it's called um, The Great Omission. He's playing off of Matthew 28, The Great Commission. And in, in that book he writes, he says, you know, we read The Great Commission, he's, the go make disciples, and we think, go convert the lost. And while go convert the lost is certainly a big part of what The Great Commission is a part of, Willard reminds us that the making of the disciples is not simply converting the lost, but it's about lives changing. It's about transformative change as the message of Jesus is brought into someone's life and continues to be brought into their life and helps them grow more and more in the image of God. That's, that's God's purpose for our lives. There's something explosive about what we're going to look at over the next four weeks. And so... Here's my visual. My visual is I'm going to be coming in here every Sunday with a big box of sticks of dynamite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My goal is I'm going to be praying, I'm going to be lighting those, and I'm going to be tossing them out into the audience. Figuratively speaking. (laughs) Some of you were looking at me like, what? For those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that it will explode in your hearts and light a fire that we could sing about. That you'll give your life to Him in baptism. And for those of us who, who don't know Jesus, who do know Jesus Christ as Lord, it will, it will rekindle that fire and shape in us more the person of Jesus, that it will rekindle in us. I love this, this title to the book. It's a wonderful book, fresh, A Fresh Wind and a Fresh Fire. So I want to encourage you, come to know Jesus. There's some of you here who have never given your life to Christ. Invite others who don't know him either. That's a huge part of this. But another part of this over the next four weeks is come to be equipped. Come to be reminded of, of that which is most important in the lives of ours as followers of Jesus. Here, here in this passage that I introduced this, our, our lesson with this morning in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says to, to these precious Christians in Corinth, I want to remind you of the gospel. 
of that which is first important, of, of first importance. And if you, if you read the whole letter, you kind of understand why. They, they, they lived in an incredibly idolatrous and immoral culture. And they were allowing themselves to be, to be sucked into that culture. They were fighting and bickering in their homes. They were fighting and bickering and becoming divided in the church. Therefore, they were losing sight of two monumental things. First Corinthians 13, they were losing sight of the greatest command to love one another. And First Corinthians 15, they were losing sight of that which is most important, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that happening to us here? Has that happened or is that happening to you in your life? Have you lost sight of the foundational truths of your life because you're so crazy busy? Are you doing a lot of great things and even a lot of busy church activity? But that main thing somewhere has become lost. Has your Christianity evolved into the contemporary definition of a Christian, one who tries to be good and goes to church, but in truth, really, you're not following Jesus as one who's seeking to save the lost? Has your walk of faith, in, in whatever way, have, have, have you wondered, as Paul states in that passage I read earlier, have you wondered so far from God that you're sitting here most every Sunday morning, but so far from where God wants you to be? God calling us it's my prayer for this series to come back to that which is core and central to our lives and to let it change us and to let it light a fire that will spread to the world and I want us now to respond to that call in prayer going to begin a prayer. I ask that you would stand. And as we enter into this time of prayer, I'm going to ask that our shepherds be available to, to pray with you. They're going to be wandering around. Um, Bob Potberg usually is in the foyer to pray with you, with Jamie, but he's in the prayer room, so our prayer room is available. This is an opportunity to say, God, I, I need to come closer, come back to you. And here's our problem. We have a lot of people here and we don't have enough shepherds to pray with them all that need prayers. And so I'm going to encourage you to step out. You don't just have to be an elder to, lead, to, to pray with somebody. If you need prayers, raise your hand. Go to one of our shepherds who will be available. But if you know someone in this moment that needs, needs a hug and there's a lot of us here and needs your prayers, let's go before God in this time of prayer. Father God, we, we come before you. And we, we pray the prayer. As a matter of fact, I wrote the words to that song down. 
light a fire in me for the sake of the world. Oh, Father, light a fire in each one of us. Bring us back. Lord, we admit we get so crazy wrapped up in so many things in the world, so busy and so much church activity and and we're just like spinning on a wheel and not getting anywhere. Oh God, bring us back. We open our eyes, we open our ears and our hearts that you might take this transformative message of the gospel and light a fire in us as individuals and us as a church that might spread to the world. Let's continue in prayer.